Hey, what do we have in common with Doctor Who? Uh, we're hopeless nerds. Well, that, but we also go back in time. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. We go back in time. We were on Cinema Podcast. I'm Matt Morris. I'm Gabe Whitehurst. And what we do is we go back and we select a random year in cinema history, select a random movie for every month of that year, and review it. Yeah, and we have a really good time doing it. So you know what? You should listen. Listen. Listen to our show. If you like to revisit classic things that you grew up on or, 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 the, or the, the, that just happened last year, we don't know. We're, we're hopping around. We're crazy. We're reviewing things that are all over the place. He's literally crazy. I'm literally going crazy right now, but you should listen to Rewind Cinema. Every Monday. Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and TV shows and movies of our youth and see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I am Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we are doing a listener request. This is a movie that neither you or I have ever seen before, correct? I have. I had zero knowledge of this before the request. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know how she saw it. She has older sisters. I know the requester. And uh, she has older sisters, which is, I'm guessing, how she knew about it. Because uh, this movie was before her time. I know that for a fact. Uh, yeah. And the movie is, from 1985, The Hug-A-Bunch. Hey, So, before we start, I just wanted to say that the request, she requested this. We, we, we saw her and she requested this and said that she loved it growing up and that she watched it all the time and... She didn't tell us anything about it. Yeah. She just and said, you, you guys need to do the Hug-A-Bunch. So I looked I looked it up, and this is the synopsis that is online, and this is all we had going in, and then I built the notes, and then we watched it, and then we'll get there. So <laughs> the plot from what I found was, in the film, a girl travels through her mirror into Hug-A-Land to find a way to keep her grandmother, the only one who knows how to hug, young. That's it. And and I was confused at at... at the very least, Hug-a-land. as to what we were going to be discussing. Just just on the surface, it seems like a uh, like a Alice in Wonderland kind of ripoff thing. She's going through a mirror. Yeah, but but like when 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 we were looking it up and stuff, I was like, oh, okay, there's because this is live action with puppetry. Yeah, and the puppets. Um, so when <laughs> when I saw a trailer for it, I I thought. This is this is not going to go well for us. Um, and and then and then we watched it. And <laughs> I have to say that after so the the movie the movie is only forty five <laughs> minutes long. And obviously neither of us have any, any recollection emotion, of it or emotional ties. And no emotional ties. And this movie was this movie was a a production that had a one point four million dollar. U.S. budget. It was produced by Fanfare Carousel Films, which I I honestly don't... I was trying to find information about them, 
And and there's actually not a a whole lot of stuff out there on them. If anything, the only thing I could really find was I believe the the video release production company, the distributor, and they've done stuff like Rainbow Bright and Glow Glow Friends and and a few other things. Some My Little Pony movies, and they they're called Children's Video Library. And, that and name I, seems to be familiar to me. Yeah, and I recognize their logo, and I and I got well. Here's like an obscure video production release company and and a production company I've never heard of for a made for TV movie. So I don't I don't know how how well this is this is gonna go. Yeah. Um they spent one point four million dollars in nineteen eighty five or nineteen eighty four, whenever the production happened. And that's the equivalent of three point about three point two million in today's dollars for a forty five minute long made for TV movie. And at the time it was the most expensive made for TV movie of all time, yes. I, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure where that budget went. I don't, I'm not sure um, either. Uh, Set design, maybe. Th- this made-for-TV movie is based on a toy slash doll line made in combination between Kenner, the company that's famous for making the original Star Wars toys, and Hallmark, the greeting card company. And each of the dolls came with a smaller doll called a Huglet, and. There's a link to a commercial for the the product line on our website in the description, as well as a full link to the to the movie on YouTube in the description as well, if you so choose. During 1985, though, this toy line generated 40 million dollars in sales, so it's it's obvious that they made a lot of money on the toys. Yeah, 40 million dollars in 1985. You know, that's that's a very significant amount of money. You know, you're talking roughly three times that. I mean, that that's 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 nuts. Yeah. And and if you've never seen these these toys before, these dolls, the dolls are essentially like they're they're kind of knockoffs of Cabbage Patch Kids. They're they have more hair. They don't have that yarn hair. That Cabbage Patch Kids had, yeah, uh, but they they had they were essentially that's what they were. They were and they came with a smaller huglet, which was like a smaller child that that they would hug. Uh, Cabbage Patch Kids came out in seventy eight, but they really didn't gain a ton of popularity until eighty two until about eighty two. So this was this was two or three years later, and I don't know. Did you in the research? Did you find when the Hug a Bunch like dolls came out? Eighty five. Yeah. So the the thing is, the Cabbage Patch Kids. Uh, for those of you who are older, you a hundred percent have to remember the Cabbage Patch doll craze. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are younger and know nothing about it, think more towards like fur- T- Tickle Me Elmo. Think to or- Tickle Me Elmo or Furbies or yeah. or some of the later stuff. Except people got violent. Yeah. People got trampled on for Cabbage Patch dolls. My mom actually, when I was, I don't know, maybe a year or two old, my mom and my aunt had gone to a Toys R Us to try and get some Cabbage Patch dolls for uh, a cousin of mine. And Did they bring their brass knuckles? Well, there was, I I believe that there was some like altercations uh, in the store amongst like people trying to get Cabbage Patch dolls. I mean, it was, it was a just... It was nuts. It was pandemonium, and and I think what happened was that the Cabbage Patch dolls were originally produced by Coleco from eighty two to eighty eight, and Kenner, who at the time was like a big toy 
making mm-hmm. company. They thought, well, we're going to capitalize on this and make our own version of it. The Hug a Bunch obviously made a bunch of money, but I mean, none of us know who they are. I'd never heard of them, so it obviously isn't like a mainstay, like long-lasting product. Yeah, they they were uh, franchise. the the comp- The toy line was also developed by Parker Brothers, who are famous for making board games. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, th- this this is definitely not something that would be in our wheelhouse because. Much like the Cabbage Patch and like Rainbow Bright and all that stuff, this these toys were directed towards girls. They were marketed to girls. They were directed to girls. Yeah. If, well, if, I did. I did have a Cabbage Patch when I was a kid. Yeah. If you look at the if you look at the commercial, and uh, we'll play the commercial here. When you hug them, when you squeeze them, when your hugs alone can please them, you feel the love of the hug a bunch. The hug a bunch, each sold separately. Imkins with Nuzzler, Huggins with hug a Tickles with Giggler. Tickles, Imkins, practicing our bear hugs. Huggins, I have a special hug too. Tickles, your tickle hugs make Giggler laugh. <laughs> Good work. Ready for more? Yay! Let's hug. <laughs> Hug a bunch, friends. Each sold separately with a huglet. Imkins with Nuzzler, Huggins with Hugabye, Tickles with Giglet. New from Kenner. And if you look at the commercial, the 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 main draw of these things is that you hug them. And in the commercial, it's all girls, and they're all just super lovey and hugging on these things. And you know what? It kind of reminds me a little bit of the puppy surprise. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. wear three or four or five? Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, it's the same thing with like the pound puppies. Yeah, yeah. Pound puppies were around the same time. And then they made a cartoon about that. In the that. 80s, yeah. But th- this this movie, so let's just let's just get through some of these things. It was Because I re- want to really talk about yeah. the movie. There's so much to talk about the movie. Not so much with the notes. But yeah. the... The writer is a guy named David Swift, who's a screenwriter, and and you wouldn't you wouldn't know it from this movie, but he's a halfway decent screenwriter. Yes, he is. He what he is most well known for is the screenplay for the film version of a Broadway musical called "How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying," which I was in a high school production of. Uh, I, I I do like this musical, and I believe there was a revival with Matthew Broderick in the early 2000s, I want to say, like 2002, something like that. You know much more about musical theater than I do. Yeah, so uh, David Swift wrote and directed the original Haley Mills version of The Parent Trap, which is from 61, and seriously makes me feel really old thinking about that, because <laughs> I watched that when I was a kid, and yeah. I had no idea it was from 1961. There's so many of those old like Disney movies that you have no idea how old they actually are until you until look you're it an up. adult and then you think back about it. And you're, you're like, like, oh, that was not from the '80s. That's yeah, you're like, the Man. '70s or or something like. My grandmother might have watched this when she was a kid. You know, something like that. Oh yeah, like Shirley Temple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the last project that he worked on was actually the '98 remake of The Parent Trap, starring Lindsay Lohan. So yeah, yeah that's maybe not the best way to go out on your career. Yeah, the the movie was produced by Filmfare and Carousel, which which I just yeah we mentioned. talked about. We don't, yeah, it, it was directed by Gus Jekyll. And he really has only done this movie and a very like a short TV documentary called The Last of the Wild Mustangs from '72, and that's it. That's all he's ever done. Yep, that's it. That's 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 all we got. The visual effects are through. So, if you look again, I say this all the time: Wikipedia and IMDb are not enough because the visual effects I put this in here are not listed anywhere mm-hmm. on any of these sites. I tried to look up fan sites, which don't exist. Uh, so who would be a fan of this movie? Uh, well, <laughs> our, uh, our 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 uh, requester was is 
So the visual effects is done by IntroVision Systems Incorporated, which actually IntroVision Systems is kind of a, it's a way of, it's a special effect that is used to to do like visual overlay to make you know when somebody is like suspended on wires and it makes them look like they're flying mm-hmm. so it's like that kind of stuff that's okay. actually technically what what introvision systems is but the there's a full creative staff here i'm not going to go through all of them you can go to our notes if you want to and then the puppetry is by a guy named tony urbano and I just wanted to mention him because he's actually in our notes further down. He's he's in this movie. And the animation director is a guy named Sam Cornell, which I couldn't find any information on. And there's a whole list of the puppet makers that, that I found also. This, this movie, I feel like this movie in terms of the production staff, this movie was essentially akin to a really, really well-funded but poorly executed like student film. Like nobody knows any who any of these people are. Yeah, but they made this movie, so we're talking about them. Yeah, basically. So the first person to mention is the character Bridget, who is played by a girl at the time now, woman, named Jeannie James. And she's a mostly just known as a child actress that had roles in made-for-TV movies from about 84 to 88, and then she didn't really act at all after that. I'm not even going to mention yeah, stuff you, she's in. It's, like, pretty you, obscure. You Nobody's, probably wouldn't have recognized anyway. I didn't recognize anyway. any of them, and I know more about this stuff than I probably should. Yeah, then we have Grams, who is sort of the... She's the she's the plot device of this movie. Uh, she's played by Natalie Masters, who was born in uh, 1915. She had over 55 acting credits to her name from movies and television, and she was mostly a character actor, so n- no like leading roles. Actually, most of the entire cast here is character actors. Well, for a budget of $1.4 million, I'm guessing that they were trying to grab as low-end people as they could. And I think it shows based on the acting ability. <laughs> I, think, I think it does, although I will say Grams uh, does the best job. Yeah, she does. I mean, but, you know, she's got Actually, like, a very long and illustrious career, yeah, so that's probably I, why. I don't, know if, I don't know if he's in the notes. He isn't. there. I actually was really impressed by the character the guy whoever it was that played the character uh, hodgepodge i thought his acting was pretty good the elephant oh i could not find information on who was hodgepodge yeah i tried I, to watch in the credits to find it but it's yeah it's the credits there. actually roll through really fast and it's an old like recorded off of television it's sort of blurry so it's it's hard to read unless it's like got top billing so yeah exactly the the next character is huggins who's sort of the main puppet Yes. And it's done by Terry Castillo. And she has, she was also in the Popples live action from 86, which we may cover at some point, you know, if we're going to dive down this uh, living nightmare that we're going to dive down today uh, again, then maybe we'll do that too. Yeah, exactly. So the live action puppet, Teddy Ruxpin, is also Terry. And the movie Star Kid from 97, which starred Joseph Mazzello, who's the kid from Jurassic Park. Yeah. I, do you remember that movie, Star Kid? No, I don't. Not at all. You don't? So, uh, Star Kid was that kid where he got this, like, weird suit that uh, was, like, sort of, like, oddly metallic. I-, I think, like, if you just, like, look at the poster, you'll recognize it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then we have uh, Tony Urbano again, who played Hugsy, who was another one of the puppets. So we had Hugsy and Huggins. They weren't really... The, the the two main puppets that we interact with, uh, they didn't they didn't do a whole lot of thinking about their names. Yeah, but he's kind of a famous puppeteer. He's done like I only listed a few things here because his the puppetry work he's done is actually pretty pretty extensive. <laughs> you wouldn't but, know it from the movie. No, but I mean the, the the puppets do a good job at moving along and not looking like 
like too physically awkward. So yeah. I mean, hey, good good job, dude, on that. But Men in Black one and two, as well as Team America, that was him. Oh, good. Yeah, that that movie was a nightmare to to uh, to make. I I've I've read and heard from Team the... America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next character is the Queen, Queen Admira. Now I was reading that as Queen Admira. Oh, you know that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because she's always looking at herself in the mirror. Yeah, that makes sense. It's done by a woman named Arika Wells. It's A A R I K A. I wonder if that's supposed uh, to be Erica. Could be. Yeah. Who knows. Mostly she's a character actor in shows ranging from the Jeffersons, Fantasy Island, to Knight Rider. She's just not doing... A, I mean, she was not... She never had, like, top billing on, on stuff. The next character is uh, Andrew Severson, who is, I believe, the dad. No, no, that's the brother. Oh, no, yeah, sorry, you're right. That's the brother. Andrew you're, is the brother. He's right. played by Carl Steven, who played the young Spock in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. And he's the uh, the first actor besides Nimoy to play Spock. So good for him. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. He's also the first character besides Frank Welker to play Fred because he was the young Fred Jones on a pup named Scooby-Doo. Oh. So, yeah, a couple of firsts for him. He had minor roles in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, which was in 89. Oh, tragic story time. In 2010, he was sentenced to 13 years in prison for armed robbery and then died in 2011 of a, of a drug overdose in a prison in tucson so how did he get heroin in prison well are you kidding sean <laughs> come on come uh, on then we have uh come on come, come on come on uh then we have janet severson who's played by susan mullen and I, there's no billing. nothing yeah nothing. i could not find anything parker stevenson who is the father played by mark withers and uh, he most uh, he most famously played <laughs> the gay lover of steven during season one of dynasty he also played in matlock frazier magnum pi and about a dozen other projects uh, he also had a short role on the uh, TV series The Greatest American Hero. That's the one where the, the guy gets the, the magic. or It's not a magic. It's like a suit from an uh -huh. alien. But then he loses the instructions and yeah. has to figure it out. Believe it or not, yeah. I'm walking on air. Yeah. Love the theme song to that movie. That's one of those. That show. That's one of those. <laughs> that's one of those many shows where the theme song is way better than the actual show. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, that show I think is only two seasons, but but like here we are, thirty years later, it's still talking about the theme song. Yeah. The the next character is Aunt Ruth, who oh my god, we got a lot to say about Aunt Ruth. It's played by Kelly Britt. She's a character actress. She's done things like Happy Days and Barnaby Jones. Now the next character is uncredited. Depending upon where you look, uh, it's it's an actor named Richard Hayden. He does the bookworm, and this was his last appearance before he died, but he's most famous as the Caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland, the Disney one in 51. But he is Max uh, Detweiler from The Sound of Music, and uh, his role as William Brown in Mutiny on the Bounty is also pretty famous. Those are those are fantastic movies, by the way. Mutiny on the Bounty yeah. and The Sound of Music are phenomenal I mean, we've talked about Sound of Music before, but... I mean, Alice um, in Wonderland isn't that bad either. No, no, it's good too, but I'm talking about <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. his other stuff, yeah. But yeah. you can... I think what he did was, is he had done that role as the Caterpillar in Disney's Alice in Wonderland, and then they're like, hey, we have this Caterpillar uh, bookworm character. It's, it's like the same let's, voice. Let's just get him and see if he'll do the same voice, which he basically does, yeah. as, as, like a phoned-in version of. yeah. Which is fine. Apparently, he had a small bit role in Young Frankenstein as Air Falkstein. Yeah, uh, uh, which I I'm, I don't, I'm trying to remember. I can't. I don't recall. Uh, there's a bunch of additional puppets. I'm I'm not going to mention because I just don't want to. Uh, yeah, there. <laughs> uh, but if you want to, there's go, a lot of puppets. As you know, we put all of our notes up there so you could see. I went through the work to like look up all the additional puppeteers. I just didn't like bother to do all of their 
film roles because honestly i just don't have that much time yeah the, merchandise there's there i mean obviously the dolls there the wasn't dolls. there wasn't the this was more of like a 45 minute commercial for the dolls since they already existed yeah, so nothing came about as of this movie yeah and so, again the the kenner toys and and then there's really no trivia to discuss here yeah so which i looked for let's start off by saying that this movie to me is pure nightmare fuel it truly is. Uh, and that was my reaction when I when I turned this thing on. Anytime you j- just l- go and look at the preview for this. Or just watch watch the first couple minutes of just it. The, fir- the first five minutes will tell you all you need to know about the direction of this. And then it just spirals. Yeah, so the... The, the basic plot line that's not really outlined in the... It's the in, subtext Yeah, the, the, well, the basic plot line that's not really outlined in the, in the plot summary that we read is basically Grams. Grams is... The, the, the family is trying to decide whether or not to put Grams into a, into a home. So let me explain to you about our family. We live in this house. It used to belong to Grandpa and Grandma, but we bought it when he died. And now we live here, and Grandma lives with us. That's my Aunt Ruth. Good morning. I brought those brochures. Neighbors have talking to you about. Oh, right. She's a good nurse, and she's always helping people. She's all right. Sometimes she's bossy. Morning, Mom. That's my grand. She's neat. She makes me rag dolls from old stockings. But mostly she tries to keep out of everybody's way. <laughs> the living nurse is their aunt, right? Yeah, the the living nurse that they have is is their aunt, and and she uh, wants to put Grams in a home. Basically, all the adults want to put Grams in a home. Well, it seems like the parents are are kind of. It seems okay. So the little girl Bridget, her parents reluctantly seem to be okay with putting Grams in a home, and their sister, the who's also a nurse, aunt's whatever, she wants to really put her in. I think what it is is. This is this is what I gathered from it. The the dad died, or the the, the grandpa died, yeah. And then her children essentially move in and and assume the equity of yeah. the home. And, and it's it, a big ass house. It's too. a big it's house. A huge house. And they buy they, they buy out this house and. They're definitely well-to-do, so they could have afforded to do their own yeah, thing. Yeah, the, the dad gets a, a a phone call from the lieutenant governor. Like it's like like no big deal at breakfast. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. What, what can I do? Oh, Grant, Mom, you hung up on him. Yeah. And actually, it's funny because at that point, when when that happens, the uh, when she accidentally hangs up on the on the lieutenant governor, the... Um, the grandma. The, yeah, when the grandma does... The aunt, the aunt goes, Mom, don't try to help so much. Just stick with the cooking, okay? Everybody is so patronizing of the old lady. <laughs> mom, Mom, just, why, why don't you just go sit in your rocking chair? Just Come go on. In the, just go in the, in the living room and wait to die. Stop. <laughs> so, so. Uh... But at the same time, there's, they are essentially kind of trying to buy the love of their children. They're buying them presents. Yeah. And Bridget doesn't understand because she's too young to understand the process of what's going to happen. And I, I have and, to say that the first line of this movie really dictated to me the course that this movie was going to take. Because I have a real problem. And, and that's why I made a point to say that the, that the, that the writer... Oh, it's actually, not a good... That he's actually a good writer. Because if you base the writing on... This movie, he is a terrible shit writer. Because the the first line of the movie is this. There's something very mystifying 
going on. Started yesterday when Mom and Dad gave Andrew and me the presents. Now tell me, what... Bridget is supposed to be like nine. What nine-year-old do you know who uses the word mystifying in a sentence? Things are getting... Things are really mystifying around here. Real mystifying indeed. Well, who says that? Has he never met a kid? Eh, you know, some kids are weird. But at the same time, she's also old enough that she should at least be able to glean the fact that grandma's getting put into a home. Yeah, she has to ask her brother. And her brother says... Her brother has a great line where he's like, They're putting her out to pasture. She's too old. And I believe he said something along the lines of that, like, they're putting her out to pasture and, like, uh, and explains that they do that so that she can spend her time at a home until she dies. Yeah. So I felt, so just before we get really far into it, I just want to say what I, I feel like there's multiple layers. This is definitely an Onion movie. Yeah. So on the outer layer, you've got, this is a 45 minute commercial, right? Yes. Okay. A little further into that, we're dealing with the fact that... Uh, we get to the Hallmark part. Well, no, no, no. The, the, the next layer is semi-Hallmark-ish. It's that Grandma's getting put into a home, and it's the lesson of taking care of your elders, right? Yeah, I, and then, I like the line that they say. They say it multiple times that Grams needs to be around people her own age. That's part of the justification. Like she's a child at yeah. school. That's part of the justification that they use is that Grams needs to be with people her own age. Apparently, she cannot relate to younger people i mean she doesn't seem that old she seems like she's in her 60s yeah i'd say like late 60s early 70s but 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 then on the, the next layer is learning to deal with the fact that the people that you love will eventually get, will die. eventually get old and die and how to cope with that that was for me like the true inner circle and i know we don't normally get to this kind of stuff to the end but like it, i'm already when i was watching it i was already feeling it like 10 minutes in because i mean they kind of hit you with a real abrupt well here's the thing too is you can tell just based and i don't i i have to feel like this stuff was not intentional at all no at i don't all. think so at so, all so you get you get hit with uh, a couple of thoughts right right up front i i think and the thing that hit me right away is that both of the kids are emotionally stunted as as people. Yeah. And and that makes in me in different ways. In different ways. They're they're emotionally stunted in different ways. The and that I think leads to questions about like about how they were parented. And I know we're digging way deep into a movie that's like really, you know, topical. It's like, like... six inches deep in the depth in the in the depth pool of, of plot development. But but you have a girl, you have the, the daughter. Who's nine years old and is completely unable to figure out what's going on without somebody spelling it out for her. And she is also, and this, this isn't, this isn't uh, unique among young girls, but she is obsessed with physical contact. She, like, that's the thing, is that she loves hugging everyone. She goes up to her mom, gives her a hug. She goes well, there's up to a Grams lot of boys and gives, like that, too. I, yeah. don't think, I don't think it's a gender thing. It's just some kids are just, like, very touchy-touchy. Yeah. And she wants to hug everybody, and she hugs her animals, and she her stuffed animals, and she goes, she wants to hug her brother, and her brother is the other emotionally stunted one who is, is that 11. the opposite? Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything emotional. Remotely emotional, can't He's, express himself. Yeah. Uh, he, he has a hard time even telling his grandmother that he loves her. Oh, he doesn't tell anyone that he loves them. Right. And, and he's kind of a, a little bit of a shit. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and the thing about, uh, at one point, Bridget says, like, I hear voices 
And at first I'm thinking, okay, schizophrenia, right? <laughs> um, but This was back before schizophrenia. That was just imaginary friends. Oh, this is just when we put them away someplace. Yeah. No. They, so she this hears... Was, this <laughs> was before Reagan turned out this insane asylums. <laughs> That's true. Uh, they, so she... Yeah. So she she's hearing voices. And then my favorite line is... Not my favorite line of the whole movie because there's a couple. But one of my favorite lines is when she says that she hears voices uh, from her room and and uh, coming from the mirror. And her grandmother says, oh, I heard when I was a little girl, I heard voices coming from my mirror, too. And I thought, this shit is hereditary. This has to be mental <laughs> illness. A, we need to deal with this. She has a hereditary <laughs> mental illness. That's great. And and so so it, what it turns out is on the other side of the mirror is an it, like the mirror is a portal to another dimension. As mirrors are wont to do. Yes, but but like they do it in like this. So they meant to do it in a way that was very sweet and innocent, yeah. but the way they did it is... It has so much subtext that you could and read. true, like, absolutely true nightmare fuel. I, I watched that scene. So she's in her room, and she hears the voice coming from the mirror, and she goes every over... Every time she hugs. every So she's hugging her stuffed animals, and every time she does, she hears like a... <laughs> Oh, see, I didn't pick that up. Yeah. But now she I, even, okay. She even says, she's like, that's, that's a weird sound that happens when we hug. By the oh, way, yeah. she has a terrible, terrible, terrible southern accent. I don't think it's fake, though, Sean. I, I know think. it's not fake because I looked it up and she was originally from Texas. Texas, okay. So East she Texas? Just, I don't know where from Texas. I didn't look up that part. Okay. But she has a terrible, terrible accent that sounds fake. Sounds so fake. And I, I, I hate shitting on, like, kid actors, but she is a terrible, terrible actress, too. At least here. Aww. I've never seen her other stuff, <laughs> but... I don't know if she was the first or maybe the only person who auditioned for this. Ah, I was right. East Texas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's from Navasota, which is East Texas. Yes. Sorry. So I don't know if she was the first or only person who read for this role, but I get the feeling that she kind of had to be because honestly, she was just so bad. Yeah, she was so yeah. bad in the role. And and I have to think that some of it had to be the the writing. Some of it had to be the writing because the writing was so... Not what a little flat. Gr- yeah, it was it's, really flat, and it was so not what a little girl would say or any kid. Yeah, really. really. I mean, I do have. I mean, you know, I have kind of a weird kid who does maybe say things sometimes that exceed her her age group. Yeah, and some kids are just like that. But it just it felt it just felt odd the way that that she spoke. Now, now to get back to the closet scene, because this is the part for me that is the creepiest part of the whole movie. Oh, God, yeah. When she when she goes over to the mirror, and the mirror is sort of like semi-watery, transparent, and uh-huh. then the head, like, The head of Huggins? Out, the head of Huggins pokes out of the mirror and starts talking to her, and the little girl's terrified, and rightfully so. Yeah! And she backs up, and then Huggins kind of jumps out and kind of flops towards her like a like a ser- sadistic like a, serial killing doll I was about to say, murder the whole family. I was going to say like a scene out of Child's Play. Yes, and <laughs> so I, I watched this, and then I was freaking out, and and you know, kind of the way that my my house is set up. Joy was in the kitchen at the at the table, and she's doing something, 
and she looks over and she's like, what the, what are you watching? I go, you have to watch this. She's like, I don't want to watch it. So no, you have to watch it. I was like, just promise me you, you'll give me 20 seconds. She goes, fine, 20 seconds. So I rewound it and I showed her this scene and then she was hooked then, <laughs> because she was like, where is this going to go? This is awful. Yeah. She was like, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's truly terrifying. And what's funny too, is that Huggins, Huggins, when she comes through the, the mirror, she makes a point to tell Bridget that, Oh, why are you being so rude? And that like snaps Bridget out of her terror shock, and she goes, "Oh, I- I'm sorry. I've just never met someone like you before, or something I've like that." I've never met a puppet that came to life, jumped out of my mirror like it was going to murder me. Well, hi there, cutie. My goodness, I just said hello. But you know, yeah, my g- dad given, for being rude. Given the given the writing, is like, I've never met a, a breathing ambulatory puppet before. Oh god, that just makes it sound worse. Yeah. So she goes. She she tells Huggins, who is the leader of the Huggas, tells Huggins of her plight that her grandmother is gonna leave because she's too old, and then Huggins says that. Well, oh, everybody, what's old, precious? We we don't have old in Huggaland. And then they go on an adventure into Huggaland. Well, to before like... that, there is a thing, though, that I, just to kind of talk about the family. Oh, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because before that happens, they, they don't jump in right away. Huggins gets stuck in the laundry after stealing a hat from the brother. Yeah. And so they end up in the, in the little brother's room. And I just want to mention this because I thought it was weird. He's got a full-on computer in his bedroom, he's like a 10-year-old kid, and this is 85. Yeah. So that computer was several thousand dollars yeah. in the 80s. And her, well, that, that that speaks to the dad's seemingly prominent government role in something. Yeah, but like, I thought it was weird that he's, the kid has his own computer in his own bedroom, but she did not. Yeah. But so they, did you they, notice they make a, that? They make a point to say that he's into computers and all that stuff. All that electronic junk. Yeah. Like he's he's big into computers and baseball. She does at one point and says, you only care about yourself and your dumb old computer. Which I thought was like kind of one of those lines that you'd hear a, a parent in a sitcom from the 90s say to their kid. Yeah. Get off that dang old internet. All you care about is the dang old internet. Yeah. So the, then uh, the little, little bit of hijinks ensue at the house and they finally decide that the only way to... The only way to save Grandma is to go to Huggaland and go talk to the bookworm. The bookworm is the smartest person in Huggaland. He knows everything. He's read every book ever. Well, they said that in originally that there's a way to keep Grand from aging, which is hugs. Mm-hmm. The bookworm then says, and I thought, holy man, holy God, this is rough. <laughs> the bookworm says, The aging of grandmothers may be slowed down and sometimes halted by... One, a great deal of affection. Two, an abundance of hugging. See, I told you so, hugging. Young lady, I am not finished. Three, and this is very important, the knowledge that they are needed. I thought, holy God, that's a lot of pressure to put on a little kid. (laughs) Well, if you don't want your grandmother to die, make Make sure you feel needed and important. Yeah, so I have to say that 
in the lead up to them meeting with the meeting with the the bookworm, there's a musical number that happens. The, oh yes, there the, is the only musical number really in the uh, in the show, and it in, it involves all the huggas because there are one all... of which is named Tweaker. <laughs> can I just can I just get that out of the way first? So there's this there's this ridiculous song that that also incorporates like a puppet dance number which is terrifying yeah it's really not great and it's it's terrifying it's so you have you have have these puppets and you you have to know what the puppets look like like they're they're cheap knockoff cabbage Cabbage patch Patch kids really large heads and tiny bodies yeah and like lots of lots of like hair floppy looking floppy hair. hair like wig hair and so you have these, like, there's like eight or nine of them just dancing around. Like in a chorus line, sort of. Yeah, and, and actually doing chorus line kicks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they're singing a song about how hugs and love and all this garbage is the best thing in the world. And I have to say that they are, they are all so freaking terrifying. And I have to say, too, that the way that they describe hugs, because before the musical number starts, all the hugging huggas, they start talking about why they love hugs so much. Because... They've been hugging since before there were people. Oh, we don't shake hands here. What do you do? We hug! <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. This is ever so much better than shaking hands. Makes you feel good all over. <laughs> and it tickles, too. <laughs> that was the part that I was like, okay, so the, this is like some alternate uh, dimension where timeless immortal like puppetry characters have been hugging since the beginning of the universe's creation what sinister plot do they have in store for young bridget yeah and i and the part that really bugged me is the way that they described hugging because hugging to them i mean hugging is is just on its surface is sort of like an emotional connection type thing it's a physical and emotional connection type thing Hugging to them almost takes on a like a religious well a religious but I almost think sexual for oh, the huggers. See, this is when you messaged me this and I didn't pick this up. So the way that the huggers describe hugging, at one point one of them says, "Hugging makes you quote feel good all over," and it just they they talk about hugging and how when they hug. They, like these little sparkles come up and it, they're, I forget what they're called, like huglins or something. I don't know. And and that's what happens when they hug. This sort of magic happens. They're blowing their hug load. And, no, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking that it, it's like hugging is a euphemism for something. You know, when we hug, this magic happens and we all feel better. You know, you feel better. I feel better. Hugging just feels so good. And I've never heard hugging described that way. It is a little creepy. Yeah. It's a lot of creepy. And and the, the, the girl Bridget says it just as much as the Huggas say it. I feel like in addition to our writer, the, the writing was perhaps also done in collaboration with a 1980s child psychologist. Yeah, who worked for Hallmark. Yes, <laughs> who worked for Hallmark as a way to like manipulate because, children into buying the product. Yeah, because so much of this stuff I could have seen on a Hallmark card. Like, hugging makes you feel good all over. I could see that on love a card. Love Grandma. Yeah, love <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> or love Weird Uncle Bob. <laughs> probably weird uncle bob <laughs> yeah so so they go see the bookworm after the musical and then number. they go on their adventure they go into this doorway the that... land of shrugs is where they're heading so so at that point they go you have to go eat the youngberry fruit which grows in the country of 
uh, uh, the land of shrugs, yeah. right? And and I was like, so we have the land of hugs, which is like a you know a physical affirmation of love and affection, and then the land of shrugs. So it's like the land of meh. Yeah, <laughs> I totally wanted there to be a thing like they. So they walk through a book, and then they sort of drop down, a drop hole. down a hole into the land of shrugs. And what I wanted to have happen is I wanted them to like land on somebody and then them go like, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And him just stand up and go, eh. <laughs> like, <laughs> just walk away. Shrug his shoulders and be like, eh. Uh, <laughs> walk eh, away. Whatever. Uh. So they do, some, they do some weird acid trip nonsense where they walk sideways. Yeah, and they encounter a, a woolly mammoth that shoots fire from his nose that then transforms into a weird looking elephant with a patchwork quill. Yeah. He's the one that, that we can't, I couldn't find the... That his name is Hodgepodge, but do you remember how he was transformed? Yeah, by, by, um, by one of the, it wasn't Huggins, it was one of the other ones. It was, yeah, the other... I think it was the one with the bow tie, the creepy it, it bow tie. Was the, it was the boy... It was... Uh, yeah, that's the one with the creepy-ass green bow tie and the suspenders. They're like shiny pleather looking, too. Yeah. It he, was uh, Hugsy. 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 A, Hugsy and Huggins. Why... Your two main characters, why would you name them something so similar? I don't know. Your two main whatever it, characters. The, the, the truth is, is it's not important. No, it's not. Are. So so I thought this part was funny. So they, after, they, after they save Huggins, or they save uh, Hodgepodge, they turn him back into a normal elephant. And he doesn't even know that he's an elephant. He, that's the joke, is that he has a bad memory. And I thought elephants never forget. And then it's like, nope, elephant, this elephant does. What's an adorable baby elephant? I'm an elephant? I never knew that. Of course you're an elephant. What'd you think you were? <laughs> well, that mean old queen of quartz told me I was a leather footstool. Before I fainted. I've never heard of a fainting elephant. You're talking to one. I faint when I get scared. My name's Hodgepodge. Who are you folks? So they ask him. He sounded like the Mad Hatter from Alice. He did a little bit. That's why I was wondering, like, I wonder if, him. I wonder if Hodgepodge was also uh, the guy who played the bookworm. Maybe. I don't think he was. No, it sounded different. So the, the thing that I thought was funny is because they save him, Hugsy lays it on thick. He's like, he's like, man, you owe us. I saved you. You owe us a favor. And he's like, I owe you a favor. Okay. And then he asks them, or he asks Hodgepodge to take them to the queen's castle because the queen is the one that has the the youngberry tree. And you can see the castle in the background. You can see it. It's like a quarter mile away. And they're like, or Hodgepodge, you need to take us there. You need to show us the way. It's like, I can tell you the way. It's right it's, freaking there. You can see the giant castle. Why don't you just walk towards that big dumb castle? Yeah. So they, they go to the castle and this is where you meet Queen Admira who is a human queen. And then you meet some of the shrugs too. The shrugs are these like rock monsters who are kind of like, they're kind of like the, uh, in Wizard of Oz, they're like the guards, the like, oh, we, oh, they're, they're sort of like that. Sort of, but like more, like more ambivalent to being there. Yeah. So they, they're the, the, the shrugs of the lackeys of Queen Admira. And the queen has the youngberry tree under lock and key, literally. Like a large glass dome, sort of. Yeah, and the the Bridget and Hodgepodge and Hugsy and... I want to say Hugsy and Bugsy. Hugsy and Huggins, they're trying to figure out a way to get in there. And that's when, that's when uh, the queen shows up and is all about Bridget. She's like, oh my god, you're so young and pretty. How did you do it? You're rather pleasant looking yourself. Mm, not a wrinkle on you. Have you had a facelift? Gosh, no. 
I'm only seven, going on to eight. She starts yeah. creeping on her like a like an like an older well, because sexual she's been predator. Eating, she's been eating a youngberry fruit uh, one every hour to keep herself young, which makes me feel like the the fruit has has diminishing returns. Yeah, and, and makes me wonder how she sleeps. Yeah, well, maybe she doesn't. So who knows? But she orders the the Huggins are torn apart because she doesn't like them. Which I was like, holy god, this is pretty. Pretty yeah. dark for a kids movie, and then she eats a fruit and uh, conveniently puts it on the uh, on in like inside a container for later, and, and so like you see the container, they make sure to show it to you, and you're like, okay, I get they're gonna use this. Um, and the queen then takes Bridget and zaps her with some sort of light that turns her into a statue, and then has the <laughs> hug a bunch to- uh, like pulled away into and a dungeon. Put in a prison. Yeah, prison. Yeah. I have to say though that. They Hodgepodge could... of slow kid strength when he breaks him out, though. No, that that oh, okay. wasn't what I was talking about. But we can talk about that because it leads up to what I wanted to say. Is yeah, Hodgepodge faints when the queen captures them because he's a coward, I guess. And when they wake up, Hodgepodge is like, or when he wakes up, they're in the prison, and Hodgepodge says, "Well, what are we doing in here?" He's like, "We're prisoners." That's Hugsy because he's the boy. He's like, "We're prisoners. We can't get us. Oh, if we're prisoners, why don't we just leave?" Because the door is locked. Well, why don't we just open it? And he grabs the door and rips it off its hinges. <laughs> yeah, like full on slow kid strength. Yeah, and they're like, "All right, Hodgepodge, yay!" Well, so what? Event, I mean, just to kind of blast through. So she steals the youngberry. They they end up getting out. They save her. They steal a young, so a bunch of youngberry fruit. And they leave the key inside the dome. And as the cage drops, the, the queen goes to try and get it. And her hand is stuck underneath the cage trying to get the key so that she can then unlock it. Mm-hmm. And she immediately starts to, like, age. And she she ages and dies. Yeah. Like, full-on, like, wither away uh, Indiana Jones style. And and they leave her there. and And then they get back. She drops the fruit like an idiot. Yeah, because she stumbles as she walks through the mirror. And then Huggins tells her that love, affection, and feeling is really what's important. Now, they she then goes to tell her grandmother that she loves her and she doesn't want her to leave. And the grandmother, and I can't remember the exact context, context of it, but the grandmother says, Well, Andrew, don't you ruin those eyes staring at those electronic gadgets your dad bought you. Remember, your health is more important than knowledge. I know. Now that line made me laugh, like genuinely laugh out loud. And I don't know whether it's because it's ridiculous and it's wrong or it's ridiculous and I agree with it. Because it's both wrong and right at the same time. Yeah. But it's like such a weird, it's like, well, I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't know how to argue with that. I, I have nothing to say to that. You know, there, there, was, there was some lines that, that I, I forgot to bring up that I thought were... I, you had that line that made you laugh out loud. There was a line when Bridget first meets the queen, when the queen is sort of introducing herself. And the queen says, I'm the queen here, bow down to me. And Bridget responds with, I thought, the funniest line in the entire movie. She says, I'm Bridget Severson, and I'm an American citizen, and I don't have to kneel down to any old body. <laughs> Excuse me, your majesty. But it's written in our constitution. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> she's so like, she's so like, no. We're going to, f- we're going to fight the Red Scare. <laughs> Beat back the USSR. No, it was like, it was, it was like, we already fought a war about this. Your majesty, we're not bowing down to any royalty. 
Oh, God. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> and then later on, when the queen is fawning over her, how young and pretty she is, she uh, she sa- she tells her, like, aren't you going to thank me for saying that you're pretty? And she follows that up with... My mother taught me not to say thank you when people say I have a pretty face. You're just born with it, and it's all luck. Whoa, conceited. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say thank you for you telling me I'm pretty. It's just, because I'm just born I, this way. Well, it's, it, I, I took it more as I didn't do anything to get this face, so why should I be thanking you for saying I it's get pretty? That that was the, I, I get that that was maybe the implication of, from the writer, but that's not how it came off in the no, delivery. No, it's not. It's not at all. Sorry, I didn't mean to backtrack, no, but those, those lines are we hilarious can, to we me. We can backtrack. We can go wherever we want with this show. Screw it. So I, you know, I will turn this podcast right around. Better make up. Don't yeah. fight anymore. Yeah, but but back to the back to the queen dying. The, yeah. the queen dies like instantly. She didn't. She doesn't eat her it's hourly. Like a very fast wither away. Yeah, it, it's like the scene from uh, from uh, Temple or not Temple. That's uh, why I said Indiana Jones. Yeah, last scene from Indiana Jones. Yeah, where where the guy drinks from the brawn cup and he just immediately turns into a skeleton. <laughs> he chose poorly. Yeah, that that was basically what happened here to the queen. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It, it basically and and really basically at the end. They decide not to put grandma into a home. Yeah. And, and the aunt gets pissed and then she kind of comes around at the end and then What happens is what that's happens it. is everyone in the house has an emotional breakdown. Everyone an epiphany does. that they actually love grandma. But yeah, but but before the epiphany, they have like this like at least the kids, the kids and the aunt, and to a lesser extent the parents the dad. The dad has an emotional breakdown. So when she gets back through The mom is scenery. Yeah, she really is. When when she gets back through the mirror and she drops all the young berries, because that's the that's the thing about them is if they touch the ground, they disappear. So she drops them all, they disappear, and she's really upset. And they say, "Kids, come say goodbye to your grandmother. She's leaving." And the and she walks out into the hallway, and her brother walks out into the hallway, and she has she pitches this fit at her brother where she's like, "Oh, grandma's leaving, and if you don't if you don't go and tell her that you love her, then I'm never gonna talk to you again because you're being a really bad man, and I I really don't like it." She has like this crying scream at him. It's it's pretty aggravating. Yeah, and then they go down, and she hugs her, and she's like, "Grandma, I don't want you to leave." She's like, oh, I'll be back, you know, Easter and Christmas and we'll see each other. And then that's when, that's when the the brother has his emotional breakdown. It's like, Grandma, I love you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, it's not, it's not just, it's that cry talking. He's like, Grandma, I just wanted to tell you that I, I, lo- I love you and I'm going to miss you. And I can't. And he goes and he gives her a hug. I and can't do that's, it. Yeah, that's when the mom, that's when the dad is like, this is bullshit. We're not sending you to a home. Your family. You're staying here. Yeah. And then the then the nurse, the the aunt, aunt, she comes in and she's like, "All right, let's go. Let's let's bag and tag like, this we old need bitch." To go. It's like, no, you listen to me. She stinks. She's dying up in that room upstairs. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna not know she's dead for like three days because we're gonna come back from a vacation or something. Basically, but, but then yeah, then the aunt has an emotional breakdown where she starts crying, and then she follows it up. She the, the last line of the show, the last line of the movie is is up there with my favorite lines because this woman is probably in her like mid to late forties and a nurse in a yeah. nurse, and she's dressed like Nurse Ratchet. She has that you know that that old nurse hat from like the sixties. Nurses yeah. weren't wearing in the eighties. Yeah, and she in the first scene that you see her, she's got like an overcoat just dangling on her shoulders, like she's some Florence Nightingale motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like so, 
at the end, the last line of the movie is, is <laughs> it's she's bawling because she realizes, yes, grandma needs to stay. Yes, I'm terrible. It's her mother too. So she says, what are you all looking at? Haven't you ever seen a girl nurse cry? Well, now, what are you all looking at? Haven't you ever seen a grown nurse cry? I'm like, bitch, it's been 40 years since you've been a girl. <laughs> At least. And the way the way that she... See, that's that's to me, that's like the writing that makes no sense. It's like, what, who would say that? Who would describe themselves as a girl nurse? See, I, I the way that she said it, I heard grown nurse. Oh, maybe it was grown nurse. But even still... A grown nurse cry. I'm like, well, is there is there a non-grown nurse? Or maybe that, there's like a maybe there's a, a Doogie Hauser at her hospital. I, I guess I don't. You know, the thing is, is and then the movie ends. Well, I don't. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, the thing is, is this is the the subtext of this is like way deeper than than I was expecting. This is a much darker journey than you I know, was expecting to go you, on. You know what it was? Here's what the writer did. The writer was digging his plot hole. And I don't mean plot hole, that's the wrong way. He was he was digging into his story hole in his backyard. He's digging his story hole. Yeah. And he's he's going he's going shallow because he's going to be planting some like peonies or something. He's going shallow. And then he hits a sinkhole and he falls 60 feet into the earth <laughs> because there's all this subtext that he had no idea he was opening up. But then he just took cellophane and stuck it right on top and just put some dirt on it. And then, <laughs> so that is, as you, from the outside, you're just like, oh, this is, there's some peonies here in, in the garden. Those are pretty. And then you walk over and then you, you fall up. into the sinkhole <laughs> and you're like, how, you walk, did I, how did I get into this dark place? You walk over to enjoy the pretty flowers. And you fall into a dark hole. Oh, a then, dark hole of despair. And then Buffalo Bill comes over and he goes and puts the lotion in the basket. Eleanor liked this movie. Really? She did? The movie, to me, I can't imagine. But she c- didn't She didn't love it. But she liked it. She thought the hug, the hug a bunch characters were cute. Like, really? See, this is oh the thing. God. This is why I think uh, the our requester liked this as a kid because... I don't think she was old enough to understand all the subtext and old enough to be not terrified of the, uh, of the creepy puppets, the creepy puppets. So I I think, you know, if you're not old enough to be terrified by the creepy puppets and you're not old enough uh, to understand the subtext, this is a a perfectly harmless film for kids to watch. But uh, you know, the thing is that the writing is awful. I don't recommend this. No, I don't either. I think that the the writing is weird. It sends a weird message. There's a lot of mixed signals. I, I think, how about this? Here's a caveat: If you want to watch it, go ahead, go ahead and do it to yourself. If get you really, really high. <laughs> no, 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 no! You'll get the worst high of your life. Don't do that. No, you'll end up like jumping off your balcony. Don't do that. You'll start seeing huggas coming out of your coming out of your bathroom I, mirror. It's like Candyland or Candyman. Yeah, go see Candyland and suddenly just hug a bunch, hug a bunch, hug a bunch, hug a hug a hug a, and then it's like <laughs> they come through the window or they come through the mirror. Oh God. They just like stuff your mouth full of young berries until you reverse age into a baby, and then they just, <laughs> no, no. It's like the end of two thousand one. Yeah, we just we just <laughs> turned got, into a giant space baby. We just took another dark turn, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I, you know, man, I thought this movie was. I thought okay, so I thought this movie was awful writing wise. I thought it was terrible visually. I thought it was a stupid message. That I mean, I get what they were doing, but they handled it horribly. I'll put it this way: the subtext is an important message. And if there was a better example out there of a way for kids to cope with the fact that grandma's uh, dying, that grandma, that that people die, and that sometimes people have to move away, and the idea of going to a home and dealing with that 
if there's if there's a movie out there that can deal with that in a way that's better, awesome. I I've never seen or heard of a of a TV movie or a regular movie or show that deals with this. Really, this is not a subject I feel like that's been broached for kids. Yeah. For adults, sure, like adults deal with this kind of stuff a lot, but kids, this is not something I feel like kids have had a good example of how to deal. If it's not this, something I think most people want to talk about in polite society. If you've got a, I'll put it this way, maybe you got an eight or nine year old kid, a kid who's maybe old enough to understand the message, and this is a, a journey that your family's going through, then maybe sure, have them watch it. Okay, because they will not, they won't quite be old enough to be freaked out by the puppets. <laughs> yeah. Um, or if you're a full grown adult and and you just want a fever dream. Then those are my two recommendations. <laughs> if you're a full-grown adult who's looking for a way to explain to their children how how and why they're putting grandma and or grandpa into a home. And what happens when people die and get old. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Or you could just tell them that grandma ran out of young berries. And now we need to get her away before she turns into a skeleton and scares you. But we gotta, we'll bring her back for Halloween. Woo! Well, grandma, Grandpa's gone. He can't give her any more of his young berries, so... Oh! oh it's more of the young berry juice. Oh, too dark. Too dark. <laughs> so, I hope it's dark. So I think that'll do it for this episode. Yeah. I know we're going a little shorter than we have uh No, that's fine, because this past. movie was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, listener request for this one, because... It was both terrifying and pointless. No, I'm kidding. It was fun. No, to, no, no. It, it was fun to talk about. We love you. It was fun to talk about. Uh, you know what? We're just gonna have to force you to watch it now. I think. I think she's gone back and rewatched it. And well, I sent her. I sent her a link to to the movie. I said you need to watch this, and I. I don't think she. I don't. I don't know if she ended up watching it, but I. I hope she didn't. <sighs> yeah, I think that'll do it this week. Yeah. So. If you want to find us and talk to us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at RemasteredCast. That is at RemasteredCast. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Childhood Remastered. Please rate us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The rating really helps us out. Yeah, and we'd also like to thank John Howarth for the use of our intro music, Nascent. You can find links to his SoundCloud on our website, childhoodremastered.com. And until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time!